0: All right. Merry Christmas. Reach church. No, come on. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There we go. All right. There we go. So kids can head out to reach kids, uh, or they can hang out, whichever they prefer. Uh, But otherwise, uh, pray with me. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the day that has come, that we wait and we wait, and you fulfill your promises. You... You give what you what you've promised. You you actually pull through and Father, we thank you for that. Father, we recognize that there's a lot of distraction uh, during this season and we can, we can lose our way and we can get cold hearts and Father, I ask that you would soften our hearts uh, through this message, Father. Holy Spirit, would you fill us up? Would you use your word to speak to us and to to melt our cold hearts, that we may see the glory of Christmas and we may rejoice and praise and give you the glory that is due for the amazing things you've done at Christmas. So would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear the glories that you have done this season? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we have made it. We have made it. Uh, We've been looking at the songs of Christmas this season. So we've looking at uh, uh Zachariah's song, we've seen the songs of uh, of various kind of people historically in the Christmas narrative. And today we're looking at the last kind of song. We could say that we're looking at the angel's song, but we're not looking at the angel's song particularly. Uh, I want to look at the, the shepherd song. The song of the shepherds. They they see the angel, but then they, they go and behold Christ and they end up singing. They end up praising what Jesus Christ has done, what God has done in Jesus, what God has done in this Christmas season. And the nice thing about Luke is that uh, there's a poeticness to, to this passage because it has an earthly side to it and has a heavenly side. It has this like, kind of boring earthly dimension and has this exciting, angelic, heavenly dimension. And that those two things come together at Christmas. That the whole point is that, that heaven and earth come together. That this God who is high and mighty, he comes down and he's with us. And that's the point of Christmas. That's the reason that we sing. That's the reason we adore Christ. That's the reason we have joy in this season. And so we're going to be looking at the straight up Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ in Luke 2. So if let's, let's turn there. Let's turn to Luke 2. And we can read this story together and then we'll, we'll walk through it with the hope that we might actually join the shepherds in singing, we might have true joy, might actually get excited as we're supposed to be uh, this Christmas season. So, turn to Luke 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Read with me. Luke 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. right, this is the story. So let's jump right in, let's jump right in. Uh, We start off with the the very earthly dimension of this. All right. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Corinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be. This is really boring stuff. All right. It starts off really boring. Um, Kind of dead, even. Um, And that's actually the point. The point is that, like, this is as mundane as it gets, this is as nobody as it gets. It starts out with a registration of a no-name Caesar who would not be prominent in history, Quirinius, who no one cares about, in a province of the, the Roman Empire that no one cares about, in towns that you don't know. I, most of you don't know where, where Galilee is, or Nazareth, or Judea, or Bethlehem. And, and some of you don't care, and that's fine. Um, I'm going to say that that's kind of the point that this is, this is very much the, the earthly perspective of what is going on here. And the point is that this is not an important part of history. This is not this profound place. This is not, this is not Rome. This is not the center of the world. This is nowhere. And that's the point. Is that, that Jesus Christ, when he came, he came to be a, a no one, from nowhere with no one, no, no importance. That's, that's the reality. And when he came, there weren't trumpets blazing. There was no one seeing him, even being born. His parents were not prominent. This is a, a poor Jewish girl who is pregnant out of wetlock, apparently, and her poor carpenter father. Like, that's the reality. And they're just trying to obey the government and they find that she's about to give birth. In verse 6, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. So this is the Lord God, the high and mighty, as the greatest, the greatest being that ever existed and will exist in a stable wrapped in swaddling clothes like we swaddle every firstborn that's ever born from history forever. And here he is lying in a food trough in the middle of nowhere. All right, that's, that's the Christmas story from the earthly perspective. And theologically, what we call this, we call this the humiliation of Jesus. The humiliation of the second person of God. Um, now, what does that word, humiliation, mean? What was the most humiliating thing that ever happened to you? Um, most of you probably think that means embarrassed. It doesn't mean embarrassed. That uh, An embarrassing experience, it, happen, it happens to you once, and like, oh, I messed up, I did something stupid. But, like, it doesn't stick with you. It doesn't really mean anything. Humiliation. Humiliation is, is that you're being treated like, like subhuman for someone one of us to be humiliated would be to to treat someone like an animal to treat someone like they are nothing like they are worthless this is the humiliation of god that he is not being treated like god he is being treated like like a human way below his rank and that is what we celebrate on christmas That the humiliation of Jesus Christ. That he came and he came to be poor. And he came to be weak. He came to be homeless. He came to be forgotten. He came to be nobody in the eyes of the world. Humiliation. Um, And this is an introduction to to Jesus' life. His whole life would would be a humiliation. To be treated like he was nothing. To the point where... His life ended with, with humiliation on the cross. Treated as a criminal. Treated as an outcast. Rejected by the world. Rejected by his own people. That Christmas is, is in, this, in this perspective, a, kind of a sad time. That God came to know to sorrow and to know suffering. And to know pain and to be with us. All right, so we don't tend to talk about that like side of the Christmas story very deliberately. Um, we, kind of, we kind of wash over it. We like to go to, to the singing angels and to the, the stars and the miracles and the part of Jesus' life that isn't the cross. It's the, the miracles and his resurrection. But we need to stop and we need to get excited about the fact that Jesus was humiliated in his birth and in his death. Because yes, we we need this God who is great, and we need a God who is perfect and who is holy and who is glorious. But we also need a God who knows what it's like to be human. Who knows what it's like to be weak? Who knows what it's like to suffer? To feel pain? To feel like a nobody in the midst of a a small no, nothing town? We need that God because otherwise we have a God who is distant and who is cold and who cannot actually relate to his people. And so this is God coming down and, and being with us. Suffering with us. Suffering for us. That God, God at Christmas, he, he can say like, I have been through what you have been through. I have suffered with you. I'm not this cold, aloof God that you can point your finger at and say, well, you don't really get it. Like, no, he does. He does because of Christmas. He does because of the life that he lived here. Now, what do you think of that kind of God? I hope that you don't see that kind of God as as worthless or or defeated, but as a God who is who is compassionate and gracious and and wants to be with his people and is willing to go to, to no ends to be with them and to love them and to suffer. Now until we can get excited about that, we're not ready for the rest of the story. So do you need a God who who suffers? Do you need a God who who is weak at times? Who struggles and is helpless, and I, I think we need that God, and we need to be thankful that he went to that place because until we recognize that we 're not going to understand the joy of Christmas all right all right, but thats that 's not the end of the story so once we see what Jesus did, we need to understand why he did it, and that 's where the angels come in, but they explain what What the meaning of Christmas is to to shepherds. To shepherds. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Now why does why do the angels come to shepherds? If this is God coming to Coming to be with the people who suffer and the poor and the homeless and the needy. This is a God that shepherds can get excited about. All right, so shepherds. Shepherds are, they're poor. These are not their sheep that they're taking care of. These are, these are the rich people's sheep. The rich people don't hang out with their sheep. They send a shepherd to go hang out with them for them. Because the shepherds are, are dirty and lowly and they sleep outside and they smell like sheep. And... These aren't, these aren't the top tier of society. These are people who are hardworking and weak. And even in the, in the social environment, uh, they were kind of treated as nasty people. That they couldn't actually testify in court because they were assumed to be lying before they opened their mouths. Like These are people that, that needed a savior who could, who could be like them and would suffer with them. And so they are the ones who are given the meaning of this child. The angel, verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy. All right, what are you looking for this Christmas? I hope you're looking for joy. That's the point. And it's, it's like, it's thrown up on billboards and like, People get a new jacket and they're like dancing through the commercials and they have joy and that's that's what we're sold. We're sold joy, and this is a joyous time, and we're kind of given a vague idea of why that should be, because there's a, a magic in the air or because there's snowflakes. Um, it's just a wondrous time. All right, they get they get that Christmas is supposed to be about joy, but there's no reason for it, and so the angels come and they say, "No, I have I have good news." And then they defend it. They say, verse 11. This is the reason why we should have great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior and a Christ. A Savior and a Christ. All right. Jesus' name, Jesus Christ. All right. First part. Jesus. Savior. That's what that means. It means Savior. So Jesus. Jesus the Savior. All right. What is Jesus saving us from? What is he saving us from? Alright, what do you want him to save you from? We want him to save us from our bills and we want him to save us from our, our scale being too high and we want him to save us from work because we hate it and... There's all these external things. And if we wanted salvation, we'd want 15 pounds off the scale and we'd want a vacation and we'd want a Christmas bonus and we'd be content. All right. Or there's the, the, the spiritual ones among us and they want, they want freedom from, from Satan and from the world that's going to hell in a handbasket. And I don't know, those kind of, yeah, all right. That's not, that's not what we're primarily saved from. That Jesus came to save us from sin. And that's where everyone's like, uh, sin. Okay, yes. Alright, no. (laughs) Just what we needed. Like, we're talking about sin. Um, right. he saved us from sin because sin is what's actually wrong. And he's not primarily trying to save us from sin out there in the world or in your spouse who bothers you or in your kids. He's trying to save you from the sin in your own heart. The sin in you. Because if we deal with the sin in us, that's the real problem. Alright, why, why do you eat too much at the Christmas parties? Because of sin. You like, can't contain yourself. And why do you spend too much because of sin and you just like want all these things that you can't actually afford but you buy them anyway. And why is Satan such a problem is because He gives us a lie and we believe it and we go running after it because we love evil and we love sin. The ultimate problem is not with the world out there. It's with our own hearts and the fact that we love evil. And we don't love God. And between the choice of doing what I want or what God wants, we choose what I want and everything goes to hell. All right? So as much as you don't want to be saved from your sin... That's what you actually need. And that's where you wish Jesus was like the, the gift giver that gives you like the extravagant things you don't actually need. No, he gives you what you need. It's a good thing. It's not what we want, but it's what we need. Um, all right, so, so that's what Jesus came to do, to save us from. But there's something not, not complete in that because you're saying but there, there is all this external stuff that sucks like there is still like poverty and pain and weakness and and I'm not content with just you, you healing my heart of sin and, and I think Jesus says you're not expected to and that's where Jesus is more than a savior he's also he's also the second thing he's the Christ the Christ now that doesn't mean anything because it's it's Greek and it doesn't mean anything. So Christ means anointed one which also doesn't mean anything. So anointed one, the anointed one in in this culture is the king. All right, that gets us somewhere. So when you see Christ, Christ the king. Jesus Christ, Savior King. All right, that's his name, Savior King. That he comes as a king. Now, he he comes to a certain kind of king. He doesn't come as a king to just take over this kingdom and rule it for for himself. He doesn't like this kingdom. He sees the, the things that are messed up in it. He doesn't want to just become president. And so he's overhauling the whole system. And so this king, first of all, he destroys all sin. He destroys all sin. And that's why you and I need to get the sin out of our hearts because otherwise we're not welcome in the kingdom. We don't get to be in the kingdom unless he's dealt with our sin. And second, second, Jesus comes to, to overhaul the whole kingdom system. To overhaul the whole thing. And so, whereas the problem used to be I'm weak and I'm poor and I'm miserable, he switches everything. And he says, you know what? The poorer you all are in my kingdom, the richer you are. The poorer you are, the richer you are. And actually, the greater your sorrow in this kingdom, the more joy you're going to have in my kingdom. The more you suffer in this life, the more you're going to just have peace and joy in in my kingdom. The more you sacrifice in this kingdom, the more you're going to get repaid and rewarded in the next. He's overhauling the whole system. Now, that's also not exactly what we want. We just want him to give us happiness in this kingdom and we're good. But no, he's making a whole new system where everything's upside down. All right. Where would you be in that kingdom? Where would you be in that kingdom? Is that the kingdom that you need? that you want. For some of you, you're like, yes, like turn all of my suffering into joy. Others of you like, it's scary because, because then you're going to be on the bottom. And that's part of the reason we don't actually like this, this kingdom concept is he's, he's switching everything. Now, who gets to be king? Who gets to be king in this kingdom? Who gets to be king? The weakest the poorest, the one who suffered the most, the one who is humiliated the most. The lowest person in the kingdom of the world gets to be the king in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's the point of verse 12. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is an a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The fact that that this child is in a manger in swaddling clothes is proof that the king has come. That this is the king who suffers. This is the king who is low. This is the king who is nothing in the kingdom of the world but because he's come so low in this earth He actually deserves to rule in the new kingdom. He deserves that. He earned it. He's the, the king of the lowly, in a sense. Now, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? If you are the sufferer, if you are the weak, if you are the poor... This is great news, and you have every reason to celebrate. If you are the sinner, you have every reason to celebrate because because Jesus Christ has come and He has taken care of your sin. Now, the th- reason I don't, I don't, I don't super like celebrating Christmas, honestly, um, because it doesn't make any sense. Because in in the normal Christmas scene, like. Who has the happiest Christmas? The wealthiest, like, they, you know, they, like, they get the best gifts. They have the best parties. The people who are the best connected have, have the most people at their parties. When, like, Christmas is actually not for those people. That's not the point. The point is for, of Christmas is for the people whose life sucks. And who are suffering. And who are <laughs> weak and who don't have any reason to sing it's for those people that Jesus Christ came and those people are called to sing and to have great joy all right this is kind of devastating because for first like we're like we're like not that miserable of people and so we're like why Jesus why did you come to me like is this a kingdom for us um, and I think that's where Jesus does kind of shake us up here. And he he points and says, like, the, the wealth that you think you have, the joy that you think you have, the this life that you're running after, like, it's not actually my kingdom. And if you humble yourself and you you sacrifice and you, you direct the things of the world, you'll actually have more in the kingdom than you thought you did. All right. All right, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this? Because is, this is like, this is supposed to be happy. I, I feel like I'm making you sad. Um, this is supposed to be happy. Like, this is the reason that like, you can have joy even if your life is terrible. And in the midst of sorrow, you can still celebrate Christmas. Even if you are all alone, even if you have nothing good happening in your life, Christmas is for you. All right, so now we're going to look at the shepherds. How do the shepherds respond to this? How do the shepherds respond? How do they celebrate Christmas in light of these truths? First of all, they go adore Jesus. They go adore Jesus. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. All right, it seems like the most obvious thing that anyone would do. You go, like, let's go see this baby. Let's go see him. Let's go see this king and this savior. All right, the trouble is that that isn't actually what we do. That the whole point of this is that that we would have our savior, we would have our great king and that we would adore him and enjoy him. That's the thing, that's the great gift of of this goofy Christian religion. Like the whole point is Jesus. That we would adore him. And the problem is that we hear this message and then we just sit there. I hear this message and I just sit there and I never go adore Jesus and there's no point. The way that we find salvation from our sin is that we, we love Jesus and go sit at his feet and, and enjoy his presence. That we adore the fact that he died for our sins and that we are forgiven the reason that we have the ability to keep sacrificing is because we've seen Jesus. And we look at this humble king and we love him. That's the whole point. All right, so what is this like? What is this like? Um, Let's talk gift cards. Gift cards. Who's going to get a gift card this year? Every single one of you probably. Every single one of you because we are too lazy to buy things. All right. All right, so... Why is it that when you open a gift card, you're not that excited? Because you're not that excited. And you kind of pretend to be excited, and then you put it aside. It's because they didn't give you a gift. It's not a gift. It's the good news and promise of a gift. All right, and you like, if you're kind of like philosophical, you can try to be excited about it, but it's not actually anything. And if you don't go turn it into a gift then you got the gift of a little piece of plastic and a, a wallet decoration that you get to, <laughs> to carry around and remember that they spent $20 on this little piece of plastic. All right, the point is, like, there's nothing exciting in just the promise. And that's what we do with Christmas. We get excited about the promise. We get excited, like, oh, like, okay, I'm, like, supposed to be excited about this Savior guy and this king, but then we never actually turn it in and get, get our Savior. We never go adore Jesus. We never go spend time with him. We never recognize like, wow, like you actually know what it's like to suffer. And thank you for walking with me in the midst of this terrible situation. And we never go adore Jesus. And all this is hypothetical and there's no real joy. Are you going to adore Jesus? That's why we sing this, this come let us adore him because that is the Christian life is to adore this one who has given so much for us. All right, second, second. How do we have joy this Christmas? How do we actually celebrate it? We go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. We might hear that later. Verse 17. When they saw it, they made known the saying that they'd been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. Right, they tell people. And that's where any joy that you have, if it's real joy, you tell people about it. And that's why we celebrate together. That's why that's why we come to church to hear the good news together, not just in our living rooms, because it's more joyful when it's shared. It's better when we hear it together. And that's why the shepherds go, not because they just can't contain it. This is exciting news. This is joyful news, and they share it with each other. Are you sharing the good news? Are you going to those people who are suffering and sorrowful and giving them this joyful news? This is our one and only hope. And this is our one joy. Finally, finally, they sing. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This whole, this whole series we've been talking about, the songs of Christmas, and why we should be singing, why should we should be, we should be joyful. These shepherds, they, they get it. And they see that there's great joy in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ humiliated himself to pay for our sins, to to bring a new kingdom that would not that wouldn't play by the same rules. And they sing. They glorify God because He's willing to humiliate Himself to glorify and honor us. Sing, sing this Christmas. Sing right now, like we're gonna sing, and please sing. Like there's a reason to sing. There's a reason for joy. This is a God who loves us infinitely, who has done everything for us, who has spared nothing. Let's worship him. Let's pray. Father, it's... We settle for such a a light-hearted joy in Christmas. A joy that That is based upon good things, uh, good gifts, blessings that you have given us. But Father, there is a deeper and greater joy. Would you give us the ability to see your kingdom? To see people and things in light of your kingdom? Father, would you give us great hope? That in your kingdom, sorrow will be turned to joy. And weakness will be strength that sacrifice will be rewarded. and Father, that we will have greater joy in your presence and adoring Christ than we will have it anywhere else. Father, would you melt our hearts with the gospel? Would you melt our cold hearts that, that do not want to sing and give us joy? Would you send us out with great joy this Christmas season? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.